It's Thursday, July 27th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, the judge in the Hunter Biden case shocked prosecutors, defense attorneys, and frankly, the nation when she turned down the plea deal. I'll tell you about what might be going on. Second, Italy's prime minister is in D.C. today for what will probably be a bit of an awkward meeting with Joe Biden. I'll explain why so awkward, plus how they will likely talk about China and Cold War II. Third, get out your maps because we are off to Cambodia this morning where we've got a new leader to discuss who has control over a very important naval base. I'll give you those details. Fourth, some alarming news about electric cars and e-bikes. That's because we've got a ship on fire out in Europe. Plus, folks are jumping out of burning buildings in California all because of dirty green batteries. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Yesterday, I said that Hunter Biden's plea deal would almost certainly be accepted by a judge unless she threw a wild curveball. And that is exactly what she did. She threw one heck of a curveball. U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Norica shocked the country yesterday by putting the Hunter Biden deal on ice for 30 days after she discovered three main things. First, that Hunter Biden is still being investigated for a series of crimes, although prosecutors wouldn't disclose what those crimes might be. Second, Hunter Biden's attorneys thought that he had global immunity from all these various crimes, whatever they could be, but DOJ prosecutors said he did not. Third, the judge found that this deal probably involves some unconstitutional demands on her. It has to do with what she can or can't rule on moving forward. But regardless, yesterday was ultimately a legal mess. In fact, at one point, Hunter's uh, defense attorney said it pretty angrily, quote, as far as I'm concerned, the plea agreement is null and void, end quote. Meanwhile, CBS News reported that Hunter himself became very anxious and agitated when he realized that the plea deal was going to fall short. In fact, he became most animated when the judge said this, quote, these plea agreements are not straightforward and they contain atypical provisions. I am not in a position where I can decide to accept or reject a plea agreement and I need to defer it, end quote. And so, folks, that means that the Biden uh, uh, Department of Justice, the prosecutors and Hunter's legal team, they've now got 30 days to iron out this mess and come up with a new deal. Ah, one last thing before we move to my analysis. Do you remember yesterday when I mentioned the frankly bizarre issue that Hunter's legal team called the court pretending to be uh, Republican House members? Well, Hunter Biden's uh, lawyers said yesterday, quote, that was an unintentional miscommunication, end quote. And for what it's worth, the issue was not addressed yesterday by the judge. So those are the facts and data this morning, brief as they may be about this very odd case as it continues to twist and turn. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. So folks, it is pretty tough to understate how bizarre this moment is. And here's why. In any normal case, but especially extraordinary cases like this one, prosecutors and defense attorneys discuss all the terms and all the concerns of any deal well before presenting it to a judge, right? There is nothing left to discuss. There's no stone that has yet to be unturned, right? No surprises. 
But that clearly did not happen yesterday in this case. And that is strange and extraordinary, which in turn should make us a little bit suspicious because these attorneys, both on the prosecuting and defense side, they have decades of experience between them, right? They don't make simple mistakes like the ones that we saw yesterday. And that is leading to a lot of speculation about what is really going on here. So let me offer you a couple of low to medium uh, confidence uh, pieces of speculation that I've seen most frequently mentioned. Uh, First is that lawyers in this case on both sides just screwed up. In other words, smart people can sometimes do dumb things, right? And they just fail to do the basic foundational work of a plea deal by ironing out this stuff in advance, despite the fact that there's so much public focus on the case. Okay, well, the second possibility is this. They screwed up, yes, but on purpose. In other words, they mangled this plea deal to ultimately force the judge to reject it. But why would they do that? Well, some folks in the legal world are speculating that by dragging out these negotiations with an updated plea deal, well, that in turn prevents House Republicans from further investigations into Biden family corruption. In other words, the Department of Justice can now say to these demands from Capitol Hill, sorry, we've got an ongoing investigation and we can't possibly cooperate with you, your document requests, or any of these witnesses that you would like to come on down to Capitol Hill and chat with you. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the drama that we saw yesterday, that was actually planned theater. Now, I don't know which of these possibilities are most likely, but it could be something entirely different. Who knows? But I'll tell you what. It's going to make for a very interesting next 30 days. And no matter what happens, I will keep you posted on both the facts and smart analysis. With that, let's move on to our second brief of the morning, sticking with the theme of politics and drama. That's because Italy's prime minister is in Washington, D.C. today. She is set to meet with Joe Biden to discuss a whole slew of international events in what will probably be a somewhat awkward beginning. And that's because last September, Joe Biden said that this uh, prime minister, Italy's uh, Miss Maloney, she was a threat to global democracy. And let's start with some background. So Miss Maloney and her party, which is called the Brothers of Italy, they are the conservatives in their country. They believe in mostly or traditionally conservative things on social issues, religion, things like immigration. They most especially want to stop illegal migration from northern Africa. So last fall, this group, this party, Brothers of Italy, and other minor conservative parties, they won the national election, and they chose Miss Maloney to lead them as the country's first female prime minister. Well, that milestone aside, most Western leaders like Joe Biden thought that she and those election results were an absolute disaster. Instead, they labeled her a fascist, much like the former leader Benito Mussolini in Italy. So the point then, ladies and gentlemen, is to Mr. Biden and others in the West, she represented a global phenomenon, as they said, of conservative agitators who are actually dictators in the making, rising to power. So here's what Joe Biden said last fall about Ms. Maloney. Quote, you just saw what happened in Italy in that election. You're seeing that happening around the world. And we can't be sanguine about what is happening here in the United States either. End quote. So what he was referring to there in that last part was what he refers to as MAGA Republicans in the United States, especially Donald Trump and his followers. So that is the backdrop for what could be an awkward meeting between uh, Mr. Biden and the woman that apparently he believes is a fascist. 
But let's assume that Miss Maloney and Mr. Biden can somehow work through that delicate issue. And let's hope they do, because they've got a lot to talk about, including something of great importance to most of us, and that is trade. In fact, something you might not know, America's soybean farmers ship about $200 million each year to the Italian economy. So these folks matter to us. But I should mention, regarding trade, there's a problem. Italy also has a special trade relationship with China. And that's because Rome is a member of something called China's Belt and Road Initiative, right? And that involves China investing state money in all sorts of foreign projects like roads and ports and railways. And they're doing that in Italy because, well, two things. One, it's going to give them access to very important countries. And second, they think that it'll, it'll facilitate global trade in their favor. So Italy signed up for this deal back in 2019, but the agreement actually expires next year. And Prime Minister Maloney has signaled that she might want to back out, which obviously would be very good for us as we discuss in our ongoing series about Cold War II. That, of course, is the fight between the U.S. and China for power and influence globally. So all in all, folks, let's keep our eyes out for two things today. First, if Mr. Biden manages to apologize or otherwise explain what is frankly a smear of calling Maloney a fascist. And second, whether Ms. Maloney makes a statement about either withdrawing from that Belt and Road Initiative or she makes clear that China's values no longer align with Italy's. Either way, if she does either of those things, those would be very important victories for America and ultimately global freedom. So let's watch for it and I'll keep you posted. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Hey everybody, Brian here. I want to tell you about a product that's important to me, but first, something that you might not know. Of the 100 prescription drugs that Americans use most, 83 are sourced from abroad and virtually all of it comes from either China or India. And I think that that is absolutely awful. And so, too, do the folks at ArcSeedKits.com. They provide heirloom seeds that can grow medicinal herbs year after year for a whole host of ailments, from anxiety to sleeplessness to topical pain. But beyond medicines, their all-in-one seed kit also gets you 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables, from carrots to tomatoes, onions to peppers. And that, my friends, is food security. And that's important because I believe that the likelihood of a war between China and the United States is growing. And that means that we need to be prepared to protect ourselves and our families. And that is why I believe, my friends, in ArcSeedKits.com. Those are heirloom seeds that can be used year after year for whatever the future might hold. So go to ArcSeedKits.com, enter that promo code of right like my last name, and then you will get 10% off. So yes, go to ArcSeedKits.com today. You will not regret this investment. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with an update that'll require your maps. So pull those out on your phone, computer, or in your minds. 
And let's go to Southeast Asia, specifically a country called Cambodia. If you look closely, you will see it squeezed between Vietnam and Laos and Thailand. And folks, if you all have ever served in Vietnam or you know your history of that region, you know that Cambodia is quite a storied place. It's probably most famous for its temples at Angkor Wat. Those are the ones that were made well, quite famous, actually, in part by Angelina Jolie in that movie Tomb Raider that was filmed in Cambodia. But unfortunately and horrifically, the country is also known for genocide. The communist regime called the Khmer Rouge killed over one million of its own people back in the 1970s, all the direction of its leader Pol Pot. Well, things have improved since those very dark days, but there is still a government problem. And that's because they've got a longtime prime minister who is named Mr. Hun Sen. He has been the leader of that country for about 40 years with no real opposition. That's because they've been either banned or otherwise neutered. And while that is bad for a lot of reasons, here is the biggest one uh, regarding our own concerns. Mr. Hun has grown increasingly close to the Chinese, and that has included giving Beijing access to a very important naval base with profound implications for the global economy. More on that in a second. But here's what's important to know about Mr. Hun, the longtime leader. He has recently decided to step down after nearly 40 years, but only after he installs his son as the new leader. And that process started last Sunday. Elections were held and Mr. Hun's party won 120 of the 125 seats in the National Assembly. And as you'd imagine, the vote was neither free nor fair. Governments around the world pretty much in unison said as much. But never mind that, because the son, named Mr. Hun Manette, he is slated to take power from his father starting on August 22nd. The elder Hun made that announcement yesterday, which of course raises the question, how is this kid going to rule? Because he's fairly young, about 45 years old, and actually he was mostly educated in the United States. He went to West Point, graduating back in 1999. He then got a master's degree at New York University, then going on to the United Kingdom, getting a PhD at Bristol University. So during that period of time, he actually had one of his kids here in the United States as well. So he's got a child who is a U.S. citizen. But nevertheless, all that aside, odds are, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be just like his old man, pretty much a puppet of China. And here's why. Over 90% of foreign investment in Cambodia comes from China. Plus, there's that naval base. So if you look at your maps, you will see Reem Naval Base in the Gulf of Thailand. It's to the south and to the west. And that base, ladies and gentlemen, is very important because whoever controls it has key access to the South China Sea. And critically, it's a straight shot to all the ships that go in and out of the Strait of Malacca. And that carries much of the world's trade, especially petroleum. Well, unfortunately for the United States, Reem Naval Base has been recently updated with Chinese funds with updates that appear to be made specifically for Chinese ships. Now, the Cambodian government says, oh, that is not true. But recent satellite imagery and previous reporting from the Wall Street Journal suggests, yes, that naval base will be used by the Chinese. That's just one example of that. Consider this. The Chinese military personnel at this base, they specifically wear uniforms that are either very similar to the Cambodian military or they don't wear a uniform at all, just civilian clothes for the purpose of blending in or avoiding suspicion. Although some observers might wonder, well, why is that? Why are they trying to hide? Well, here's the answer. The Cambodian constitution actually says that no foreign nation can ever establish a military base in that country. So even though the, the Hun family might favor the Chinese and be very powerful, 
they still fear that they might face an angry populace if the people knew what was ultimately going on at that Reem naval base. So that's why they're trying to keep that collaboration very quiet. The upshot, ladies and gentlemen, is that in our battle of Cold War II, Cambodia is likely lost, despite that new young prime minister or that constitutional limitation about the naval base. Things could change, that's true. But for now, we should know that Cambodia is ultimately no friend to the West. With that, I've got one more brief for you this morning, and we shift our minds from international news and events to the so-called green energy revolution. It's one that I call dirty green energy for reasons we're about to explore. At this very hour, there's a ship burning off the coast of the Netherlands because of exploding lithium-ion batteries. Meanwhile, we're getting local media reports of residents in New York and California waking up to exploding batteries too. So here are all those stories, ladies and gentlemen, with a reminder in just a couple of minutes of how to keep safe in this new world of exploding dirty green batteries. First, let's start in the Netherlands, where a ship that is carrying 3,000 cars this morning is absolutely on fire because at least one of those vehicles, an electric vehicle, suddenly ignited when one of the batteries was somehow compromised or its chemistry somehow combusted. Well, at this very hour, the ship is being doused with cold water by the Dutch Coast Guard to try to stabilize that fire, which government officials say will burn for many days, if not many weeks. And that is especially bad in this case because authorities fear that the flames and the fumes will destroy a local nature reserve. In fact, it's a World Heritage Site that is home to over 10,000 species. Well, sadly, I should note that uh, this fire, this ship, it's already taken the life of one crew member. They died shortly after the explosion occurred. So as that ecological disaster unfolds in Europe this morning, we head next to San Francisco, where one person is in serious condition with severe burns after having jumped out of their apartment building after it caught fire from an electric scooter. The local ABC affiliate reported yesterday that one of the residents in that building plugged in their e-bike to charge overnight. They placed that bike next to the door. Well, then out of the blue, the e-bike's battery exploded. The apartment quickly caught fire and at least two residents were forced to jump from their windows with one already on fire and burning to death. That person this morning is in the hospital in the local burn unit. Meanwhile, in New York City, Fire Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh said in a press conference this week that e-bikes and e-scooters are blowing up in dramatically increasing numbers. Quote, this is an incredibly critical issue. We are now unfortunately seeing more and more of these kinds of extremely fast-moving, very powerful fires. End quote. She added that there have been 13 deaths, 76 injuries, and numerous buildings that have caught fire all because one resident's bike or scooter caught fire and quickly spread to the rest of the building. The fire commissioner also explained that lithium-ion batteries are now the second leading cause of fire fatalities in New York City. And that's because, as the commissioner said, quote, it really would be more accurate to describe these as explosions, not fires, end quote. So, folks, those are the facts and data on this relatively new technology of lithium-ion batteries and our cars and scooters and bikes. Let me offer you this analysis and opinion, or frankly, just advice. If you have an EV, my goodness, please do not park that in your garage. Because if that explodes, your home will be consumed very quickly by fire, and God forbid, folks inside too. The same goes for e-bikes and e-scooters. Put those things outside in a shed. And finally, if you live in a condo or an apartment building, 
my recommendation is talk to your condo or association board and ask them what their policies are regarding these e-bikes and e-scooters and electric vehicles. Because if they allow these things inside the building or a parking garage, well, ultimately, you've got a tough choice. First, you can either educate the board about the risks, maybe bring in the local fire department to brief everybody, and perhaps together you can develop a plan. Or second, well, you can move. (laughs) But whatever you do, folks, do take care with these things. They probably have advantages or might be fun. But based on this reporting, ladies and gentlemen, your life just is not worth the risk of leaving these things inside, either in your home or in your garage. And that is advice that I suspect that poor soul in the burn unit wishes they had thought about well before their e-bike changed their life forever. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. Since we've covered a lot of great news this morning, I don't have one more thing before I let you go. Just a wish that you have a wonderful rest of your day. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.